0: A reading from Romans 1, 1-7, page 1194 in the Pew Bibles. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart from the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, Uh, This morning we're starting our journey through the Book of Romans. Uh, Over the next three terms, with a couple of breaks on the holidays, we're going to be working our way through this huge uh, and really helpful book. Uh, And I'm looking forward to doing that together with you. We're doing it together in partnership with three other sister churches across Queensland. uh, The Warwick Presbyterian Church, the Graceville Presbyterian Church in Brisbane, and the Mackay Presbyterian Church in Mackay. Um, And uh, and it's a joy. To do that alongside with them together, our growth groups are all going to be also going to be working through Romans. So I encourage you if you're not part of a growth group, get into one. It's going to be really helpful as we work through this book together. We need God's help as we come to His Word, and so let's pray and ask Him for His help. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Your Word here in Romans. Please help us understand it, show us how it points us for Lord Jesus. And Lord, work through it in our hearts to grow us to be more like him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it is no exaggeration to say that the book of Romans has changed the world. It did it through a monk, a monk who was living in fear, terrified of God's judgment, hating God's righteousness, until reading Romans, he discovers that the righteousness of God, of God is a gift given to us through faith in Jesus. And called by Jesus through the gospel, he can't help but write about it, speak about it, and even nail it to the church door in Wittenberg. And through this monk, Martin Luther... The Reformation begins and the world is changed. Romans changed the world again through a depressed and discouraged pastor who realised that he actually didn't have true and saving faith in Jesus. Until, after hearing a reading of Luther on Romans, he hears the call of the gospel and he comes to a real trust in Jesus. And so, John Wesley goes on to preach the good news of Jesus to thousands and thousands of people in the open field in what became known as the Great Awakening. The book of Romans has changed the world. Why? Well, I want to say it's not because it's the most amazing literary work ever written, it's not necessarily. It's also not because it's the longest or the oldest book. We've got longer and older books. It's because this is a book that is all about the gospel, the earth shattering, world changing, life transforming good news of Jesus. And just like it did for Luther and Wesley, as people are called by the gospel and transformed through faith in Jesus, the world gets transformed too. Romans is all about the gospel, the good news of Jesus and the call it makes on us. We're going to see this over the next three terms. We're going to see how the gospel calls us to a new relationship with God as those who are made right through Christ. How the gospel calls us to new life as those who are made alive in Christ. And how the gospel calls us to live differently as God's people, those brought together with Christ. And we don't have to get very far into Romans before we see that it's all about the gospel. In fact, we see it right from Paul's greeting in these first few verses. Now, be prepared, buckle in, because this is a weird greeting. We start our letters with dear so-and-so. In the ancient world, you'd normally start a letter like this. What's his name to so-and-so? Greeting. But Paul is so excited about the gospel, so keen for the Romans to see the world-changing, life-transforming wonder of this good news, he can't help but pack the gospel right into his greeting. Imagine that you get a letter from me and the letter starts like this. Dear, and by dear I mean beloved by God through Jesus Christ, who died for your sins and rose again, and through Jesus, dear to me is my brother, so-and-so. You'd probably think I'm crazy and that I haven't learned how to write a letter properly. But I think you'd also get the idea that I'm really, really excited about the gospel. Right? And my letter is going to be packed full of the gospel, even in places where maybe it doesn't seem like it belongs. And that's what Paul's does. Because this whole letter is going to be about the good news of Jesus and how it changes everything. We're going to see that this morning, that right here at the start of the letter, Paul greets the Romans with God's good news of the risen Jesus, calling all people to the obedience of faith. And as we see this, we're going to see how the gospel makes a call on us too. It calls us to the obedience of faith too. So, buckle in, let's get into Paul's weird greeting. It all starts with the fact that Paul has been called for the gospel. Paul starts by introducing himself and outlining his qualifications, just like was normal in the ancient world. We're going to come back to Paul's qualifications in a minute, but notice how quickly Paul moves to the gospel. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Paul's been set apart, called for the gospel. He only makes it 15 words into his letter before he brings up the gospel. The word gospel, it means good news. In the ancient world, the gospel was an announcement of something great that's happened that will have an impact for all the people. Like when a general won a great battle against the enemies of Rome and runners would be sent out with the gospel, the good news of a victory that will ensure the safety and peace of the Roman people. Think of V-Day at the end of World War II. The news went out, the war was over, victory had been won, peace was secure at last and people celebrated in the streets. That is what the gospel is. Good news of a great victory victory now we have to be really clear on this because that means that the gospel it is not good instructions it is not something for us to do it calls for a response but it is not fundamentally something for us to do it is something that God has done a victory that is already won something that is finished And it also means that the gospel is actually not about us. Paul says it's the gospel of God. It's his good news. The good news of the victory that he has won. It's not about us, although it definitely impacts us. It is about him. It's not Paul's job to tweak the message, to make it more palatable or gain a better hearing. He is Jesus' servant proclaiming God's gospel. And his job is to be faithful and proclaim it truthfully. It means that for us too, the gospel message isn't ours to change. We can't leave out the stuff about Jesus' resurrection because it's too supernatural and we're embarrassed. We can't pretend that it's all about making people comfortable and leave out the call that Jesus makes on us as the risen King. We can't just talk about acceptance from God and ignore the inconvenient reality of sin. Our job is just to be clear about God's good news, the gospel, and to stick to it as faithfully as we can. Which is what Paul does. In fact, he's so excited about the gospel, so eager to proclaim it to the believers in Rome, that he starts unpacking it in the middle of his greeting. Look at verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. See, the gospel didn't come out of the blue. It's been expected. This is the good news that God promised throughout the Old Testament. From when Adam and Eve sinned and God promised an offspring who would crush the serpent's head. When God promised blessing to Abraham. When God promised David that one of his descendants would reign forever. When Isaiah predicted a suffering servant who would save Israel. Over and over again, God has promised a rescue. And it's all fulfilled here. The gospel is a fulfillment of all that God has promised in the Old Testament. And this good news, it is all about Jesus. Look in verse 3. Concerning his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh, was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, see that this good news is not mainly about us. It's God's good news that is all about his son. His son who was descended from David. And again, Paul links Jesus to God's promises in the Old Testament. God promised David that one of his descendants would reign on the throne forever. We read it earlier in 2 Samuel 7. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. He is the forever king that God's people have been waiting for. He was a real human being born in David's line. He had the credentials to be God's forever king. But that's not all. He was also declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus died for our sins on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through his resurrection, he was declared to be the Son of God in power. Jesus has always been the Son of God, even as he willingly served us in shame and weakness on the cross. But in his resurrection, he is vindicated as a victorious king. His great power and authority is declared for all the world to see. He has conquered sin and death forever. He now reigns in power and glory. He is the king. Paul loads... All of that into this last little phrase he uses: Jesus Christ our Lord. This good news is about Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the real human being who was descended from David, who lived, ministered, did great miracles, and then was brutally killed on a Roman cross. This Jesus is the Christ. God's forever promised king. His resurrection proves it. And Paul says, this Jesus Christ, he is our Lord. That they trust him and submit to him as their king. That is the gospel. God's good news about Jesus. It's not news about us, but it does call us to make a response. To willingly submit to Jesus as our Lord, too. Have you made that response to Jesus? Have you recognised him not just as King, but as your King? Have you willingly given your life to him as your Lord? If not, why not? Why not do that today? Come and have a chat to me after the service and we can talk about what it means. Don't put it off because God is calling you to submit to Jesus today. Paul's heard his call and it's changed his life. That's what we see next. Paul has been called to be an apostle. Now let's get straight who we're talking about here when we say Paul. This is Paul. He's the crusty, angry, zealous bloke who won the Pharisees' Most Successful Persecutor Award several years running. He held the cloaks while Stephen was stoned for preaching about Jesus. This Paul was an enemy of God's people. He hated them until Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Paul heard Jesus' call on his life. He heard the gospel and it changed everything. Paul went from being God's enemy to being his ambassador, from hating Christ to being his willing and joyful servant. He's been called to be an apostle, he says. An apostle is someone who is sent with a message and with authority. They're an authorised representative, an ambassador, sent by someone powerful. The apostles, they were sent by God with the authority to faithfully proclaim the gospel to all the world. Now, the twelve apostles, they did this as eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. They would go out and to proclaim what they'd seen. And they also had the job of quality control. It was their job to make sure that the good news of Jesus wasn't tampered with or changed, but proclaimed truly as it actually happened. Now, Paul wasn't among those eyewitnesses, but he was given this job by Jesus himself. On the road, Jesus called him to this job. So when Paul says he's called by God to be an apostle, he's saying that he doesn't have any authority, weight, or power of his own, he's just a messenger. But he's been called by Jesus to be his messenger, to go with the gospel. And so he goes with all the authority of the Lord Jesus as he proclaims the good news. The Romans better listen up, not because Paul is so impressive, but because he has authority from the one who sent him. Jesus has called him to be an apostle. Not only that, but Jesus has given him the grace that's everything he could possibly need to carry out this mission. What mission? Look in verse 5. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Paul's goal is the obedience of faith. Now we need to dig into this phrase the obedience of faith for a moment because it's really important for us to understand Paul's mission and for us to understand the book of Romans. You see the good news of Jesus it calls for a response. The news that Jesus who died and rose again is God's promised king who defeated sin and death and now reigns in power it demands something from us. First It demands that we recognise Jesus as our King. Not just as King in general, but willingly submit to him as our King. Now there is a difference. You and I, together in this room, we can recognise that King Charles is now the King of the Commonwealth. That's kind of an abstract fact, isn't it? It doesn't make too much difference to us. But it's another thing altogether to recognise his authority over us and bow before him. Jesus is now the king over all the world. It's been declared by his resurrection. And he calls everyone everywhere to repent and submit to him. So obeying the gospel means, means recognizing Jesus as our king and bowing to him in willing submission. That's faith, not just intellectual assent to an abstract fact, but willing, trusting submission to Jesus. You see, faith itself is obedience to the gospel. Faith is the right response to the good news. That's why Paul can say his job is to bring about the obedience of faith, because faith is obeying God's good news. But that's not the end of the story. We can't just recognise Jesus as our King and our Lord and then get on with life as we want to live it. No, that shows that we haven't really recognised him as King at all. See, if I bow to Jesus in willing, trusting submission as my king, it will change the way I live every part of my life. In all things, I will seek to obey him as my king, to recognise where I fall short, to keep turning back to him again and again. The obedience of faith, it begins when I first trust in Jesus, but it continues as I live out that trust and submission in every area of my life. In that sense, you could say it is the obedience that comes from faith. Christopher Ash he ties it together the best, I think. He says this. The obedience of faith means bowing the knee in trusting submission to Jesus the Lord, both at the start and all through the Christian life. This is our response to the gospel. And that's Paul's mission, to proclaim the good news of Jesus so that people respond with willing, trusting submission to Jesus as their Lord throughout their lives. Do you want to know this morning what God's calling on your life is? It's not really about who you marry or what job you have or where you live. It is about this. God is calling you and I to the obedience of faith. Our world says... Be true to yourself that the highest calling of our lives is a true expression of ourselves, whatever that means. But through the gospel, God calls us to the obedience of faith in every part of our lives. God calls us to obedience in the way that we live and the way that we work and the way we spend our money. He calls us to obedience in what we say and think and watch. He calls us to obedience in our relationships, in our sexuality. He calls us to obedience as we live out our singleness or as husband and wife. God calls us to meet together, to encourage each other and hear from God's word in church and families and homes and cafes and growth groups. God calls us to love one another in practical and generous ways. God calls us to use our gifts to serve others. God calls us to obey those who who God has placed in authority over us. God calls us to reach out to others with the gospel here in Toowoomba and across the Darling Downs and around the world. That's the obedience of faith. Conforming to the image of God's Son, becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the call of the Gospel. That's what Paul is going to show us throughout Romans. Here in chapter 1, all the way through to the end of chapter 16, where he says it again. Paul has been called to be an apostle of Jesus so that he can call all nations, all people to the obedience of faith. And that makes sense because Jesus, he is the king of all people everywhere. So the gospel makes this call to all people everywhere. As all for the sake of Jesus' name. The gospel is all about Jesus, so the glory and praise goes to him. The ultimate goal of Paul's proclaiming the gospel and people responding with the obedience of faith is that Jesus is glorified that he will be shown to be the loving, gracious, generous, serving God he is. That's why Paul has been called to be an apostle, to bring glory to Jesus. And that's why he's writing Romans, because it's not just a call for him. Through the gospel, the believers in Rome and us are called to belong. We're nearly there. Remember, we're still halfway through Paul's greeting, though. He's been talking about himself. And now he turns to the believers in Rome, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. The gospel has a call for them, too. Paul's mission includes them. Rome is the centre of the Gentile world of Paul's day. And so Paul's mission includes the Romans. Now it's helpful for us to understand here that Paul is writing to a church family that is doing it tough. This church was probably started by Jewish believers who'd heard the gospel at Pentecost, come to trust in Jesus, and then gone home to Rome with the good news. But after the church grows a while, great riots erupted in Rome in AD 49. And the Emperor Claudius, he kicked out all the Jews including Jewish Christians, for disturbing the peace. Just imagine all the leaders and senior Christians in the church are kicked out overnight. The Gentile believers, they step up, they take care of the church for a while, until five years later when the emperor dies and the Jews are allowed to come back. Just imagine for a moment the joy, the tension, the conflict, the confusion when the Jewish believers... The old leaders who started the church rock up to church again one Sunday. Can you imagine what that means for the church? Paul says his mission includes them. His job is to call them to the obedience of faith too. Jews and Gentiles, young and old, leaders and followers, all of them need to be reminded of the gospel and need to respond with that all of life obedience of faith. That's the answer to their situation, is the gospel. Because in the gospel, they are called to belong to Jesus. He is their Lord, and they are now his people. Precious, loved, called for, called to belong together in community, to be church family in Jesus. Verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember our ancient greeting? What's his name? The so-and-so greetings. Paul's finally made it to who his letter is to. It is, all, it is to all the believers in Rome, Jew or Gentile, whoever they are, to all of them as those who are loved by God and called by the gospel to be saints, called to be God's holy people, loved by God, set apart to be his, and living as those who are set apart. He wishes them grace and peace. And even here, Paul is loading in the gospel. Grace is God's generous favour shown to us through Jesus. And peace is a standard Jewish greeting. Shalom. That's the whole of life flourishing and joy and peace that comes from a right relationship with God. Something we only have through the gospel. But this call is not just for the believers in Rome. Jesus is the risen, victorious king over the whole earth. So the gospel is the good news that goes out to the whole earth and calls for a response to all people. Even people in Toowoomba. Even people like us. See, through the gospel, we are called to respond. The gospel makes a call on us. On you and I. Just like it did for Paul. Paul for the Romans, for Luther, and for Wesley. The Gospel calls us to the obedience of faith. It calls us to respond with faith. That's that willing, trusting submission to Jesus as our Lord. It calls us to find grace and peace in Him, God's grace for every part of our lives, and true peace with God that gives us a hope beyond death. It calls us that whole-of-life obedience to Jesus as our Lord and King that changes the way we live and relate and think and feel. It calls us the whole-of-life obedience that doesn't indulge in sin but recognises it, repents and seeks God's gracious help to change. It calls us not just as individuals but as a people called in the Gospel to belong to God as His holy people. It calls us to belong to one another, living together in love and grace as all different kinds of people. It calls us to wonder at and enjoy God's great love for us in Jesus. It calls us to share the good news with those around us and call them to respond too. That is the obedience of faith. That's the call of the gospel. And that's what Paul is going to unpack for us through Romans over the next three terms. So let's listen closely. Let's pay attention to the gospel's call to us. And let's act in response. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus, for all that he has done for us through his death, that he has been declared to be the Son of God in power through his resurrection from the dead, that he now calls all people everywhere through the gospel to repent and to submit to him as our Lord. Please help us to live in that obedience of faith that we are called to by the gospel. Help us, if we haven't already, to submit, willingly, trustingly submit to Jesus as our Lord and King. Help us to live out that obedience day by day as we seek to honour Jesus as King in every part of our lives. And give us boldness to share that good news faithfully with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.